Hi, this is Robert O'Reilly. My name is Gowron. Honor to you and your house. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello listeners and welcome to Trek FM's Earl Grey, the Star Trek Next Generation podcast. I'm one of your hosts for today, Lee Hutchinson, and I'm joined by Amy Nelson. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And I choo-choo-choose you, Richard Marquez. Hey, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. So I'm back again after my uh, lengthy spell being stranded in the Delta Quadrant. Thankfully, I got back in less than a week. So uh, Captain Janeway and Cole really should be wondering what they were doing spending seven years. So I'm so happy to be back. I enjoyed listening to your episode as a listener. It was quite surreal to be on the other end shouting the episode titles at you or if there was something I disagreed with talking along to myself. So I'm really glad to be back in one of the command chairs today. We are very glad to have you back. We missed you. Yeah, we certainly did. (laughs) Oh, bless. My heart swells on this special day. So hopefully you'll have a wonderful Valentine's Day. And if you're feeling lonely, you've got the three of us with you in your ears. So we're going to kind of have a bit of a love fest. Yes, a love fest and a discussion about love. So, there's many episodes that talk about love and romance. There's Sub Rosa, oh dear. There's Haven, oh no. And then there's an episode called The Outcast. And The Outcast, for those who perhaps don't remember it, is um, the Enterprise encounters an androgynous race who have lost a couple of their members in an unmapped region of space. Riker falls for one of them, which leads to trouble if detected, since the alien race does not endorse gender, specificity, and relationships. So everyone, when you kind of first watched The Outcast, if you watched it all the way back in 1992 or caught it on video DVD, what were your kind of initial reactions to this kind of tail end of season five episode? Did you, obviously we're going to get into the episode much more specifically after this, but what was your kind of initial reactions when you first watched this episode? Did you consider it a big deal or was it just a a normal next generation episode i figured it was very cutting edge definitely back in the day 1992 was it um and i thought just very typical of star trek to push the envelope and to start a conversation about sexuality uh on prime time and i i enjoy the episode richard uh, to be quite honest, I don't remember this episode until recently, so I didn't really watch it back in 1992, or at least I don't remember uh, watching this episode back then. Oh, uh, rewatching it now? Uh, yeah, definitely cutting edge. Uh, for some, for you know, primetime TV, like you were saying. Uh, yeah, and um, it's I I, I like it. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was an episode I kind of always overlooked. Like, I think season five is arguably one of the best seasons of The Next Generation. And I think with so many episodes like The Cause and Effect, Unification, Silicon Avatar, Anton Road, Darmok, there's there's so many episodes. And kind of in the 
you know, the rewatches and the videos, everything in between. Um, it was never an episode that kind of stood out to me as being particularly interesting, you know, Riker and an alien kind of hooking up, you know, kind of seen it all before, you know. As a, a young guy, it was just an episode that was just kind of nothing kind of interested me much about it and it would be one episode I wouldn't go out of my way to watch or re-watch. So, um, yeah, and then it was an episode that I've certainly maybe like yourself Richard you were saying that you weren't kind of hadn't watched it again until quite recently um, it was an episode I certainly revisited kind of in my early 20s when I was a bit more conscious of the message of the episode and that message of the episode is kind of dealing with sexuality in a way that Star Trek in its kind of 25 26 years on the air at that point really hunt addressed that we kind of think of star trek as always being a show about equality dealing with you know sexuality eh, dealing with kind of race for example we have black officers on the bridge in the 60s we've got russians on the bridge in the future we've got a bald captain on the bridge we've got females in positions of power and sexuality was one part that was kind of overlooked in that kind of diverse rainbow of star trek crew so when did you kind of realize was it at the time or was it kind of later that this episode was actually something kind of hugely important in what it was trying to say well i remember uh the first time watching it and i just thought it naively very young um thought that well it was just talking about like you said the equality between the male and the female and you know you see dr crusher explaining to soren you know, well, females, you know, used to be considered, you know, weak and, and inferior, but that hasn't happened in a long time ago. And then you see him at the poker game and Worf is like, that's a women's game. And, and Crusher's like, oh, I thought that I was just telling Soren that we had gotten over this inequality of men being better and women being less. And so it, when I first saw it, I I recognized that issue of equality between the sexes and then later recognizing uh you know the uh lgbt issues attached to it what about yourself richard was it for maybe for someone like myself i it's almost like similar to when i was a kid the the black and white split face episode of um star trek the original series where you watch and think that's a pretty enjoyable episode some funky aliens but then kind of on rewatch as a kind of more adult viewer, you see it's a story about race and relations. Was that something that kind of clicked in for you later on? You were like, oh, there's a lot going on here. Uh, most definitely. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as uh, Amy when it comes to like, uh, it was, male, you know, the difference between male and females. And that's how I saw it uh, when I first saw this. Or at least, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's how I saw it when I first saw this. And it's just... It, I guess you. I, I guess you could say uh, you could use transgender in this as well. Well, uh, obviously, for uh, at the near the end of the uh, at the near the end of the episode. Uh, so when I watched this episode, I saw it as a male female, uh, you know, comparison, not a transgender, or at least at first that's what I thought. And um, I guess later on, uh, watching it a few times in my rewatches, that yeah, I could see that it's that's exactly what it is. I don't know if that's what it was intended for. I've read quite a bit of stuff about this episode where I guess that was instead of a female, she was supposed to be a male. I think that's what it was. And uh, Jonathan Frakes was actually okay with that. 
I'm not saying that anything's wrong with that, but I'm just saying like that's what I remember about this episode, and that's really it. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you present a fair comment there that Jonathan Frakes was totally okay with this. Cut to Star Trek Enterprise, for example, and Dominic Keating on the the Blu-ray extras famously remarked that the idea of uh, playing kind of, um, what's his name, Reed, as a gay character as it was kind of approached at one point was something that he you know, he laughed off and thought it was a really bad idea and was kind of quite dismissive of it. So the fact that Jonathan Frakes, for example, was willing to embrace that, and I think you were correct, I've also read the same, that originally this character was going to be a male. Um, So I think that would have been very bold and striking, and I think that kind of gets into kind of the response, really, of the episode at the time, that it was quite hyped up that this was going to be the the gay episode. And um, the, the reaction was a bit like, oh, that didn't really go as far as they thought it was going to go or they thought maybe there was going to be a character that came out as gay, maybe Geordi was going to come out, maybe Picard, who knows. Um, And then what they get is kind of an Alien of the Week story and they maybe felt that the allegory was quite tame. I personally disagree. But I think it was, uh, you know, the response to it wasn't as revolutionary as they perhaps thought it was going to be at Paramount when they decided to go down this route. So Amy, like, you know, that sounds a bit obvious but it's hard not to ignore the the role kind of of the sexes in this episode and as well as being an episode about sexuality it's a role of an episode about female kind of rights as well uh, well females in society um crusher as you remark the um the alien it's like oh you you have color in your hair oh sorry color on your cheeks the way you're kind of behaving is it to entice men you have Worf kind of maybe a bit left field but kind of in character making remarks that the female characters in the poker game are trying to change the rules to make it more suited to their kind of character traits as a female you know at the time or maybe more recently when you rewatched it what was your response to that and what did you feel Star Trek's perhaps trying to say about females on in society and females in Star Trek well as typical of Star Trek, you have the 24th century and, of course, all of the problems of our current 20th century are no longer an issue. And it sort of comes off just very flippant, like, well, people don't have those thoughts anymore and, you know, women are just as capable. And and so it's it's almost laughable how flippant Beverly is in that scene about it because that's sort of how I felt. It's like... Oh, all of a sudden, we're just now in the 24th century and there's no more uh, equality issues when we see multiple times that there are definite issues that need to be addressed, even in the 24th century. And um, so I, I sort of was surprised by that. But then you still then to offset that you have Worf making those comments you know, about, well, this is a woman's game. And so, again, that just sort of goes to the point that, yeah, this is not going to be uh, easily overcome even in 300 years. And I appreciate the idea and this philosophy that, yeah, sexuality and equal rights is not going to be in the thing in the future. But to me, it doesn't seem very realistic. Yeah, it it seems kind of out of place of the characters at the time where we've seen kind of Worf's a bit of a traditional male, shall we say, with how he views 
women and women's role in kind of Klingon society. And I think we we see that kind of carried through to Deep Space Nine. He's very traditional about male and female roles. And I think it's kind of interesting to see the poker discussion becomes kind of a a discussion about gender politics and gender identity. And I thought that was quite original for Star Trek in that role, that we essentially have the characters in very black and white terms talking about gender identity in a way that doesn't often happen. It's usually painted in the alien of the week way or with an allegory. They're basically sitting there in the 24th century discussing the the sexes. And that's quite fascinating. It was interesting to also see uh, Data's reaction that it's like, well, why? You know, and his questioning and, and listening to the conversation and trying to, you know, understand it. And we know Data is male so it's interesting so late in the season, you know, like I said, series, fifth season, that he's still so curious about the roles of the sexes. Yeah, I think I, I, was in a, I was in a session quite recently and the individual was talking about that kind of people will go, when people are trying to understand things or people are making comments, that saying something like why can be sometimes perceived as a negative because it puts someone on the defensive. And I think that's an interesting response that Data takes where he's like, why? It's just simply why. It's not like he's necessarily curious. It's just like, why why do you think that? Why? It's just something that, you know, Worf is called up on it. He's his... um. He's called out on his privilege, as, as as some might remark and stuff that, you know, why? Why do you think that? Why? And, you know, you almost see Worf doesn't necessarily back down from his comment, but it, it shows a kind of division almost within the Next Generation cast that's very rarely ever pulled upon. That We always think of the Next Generation team as quite harmonious. And in that kind of way there, we see them as they're not necessarily equals, but there is a gender divide in the eyes of one of the characters. And that's quite an interesting moment, I think. And it, it's often overlooked, I think. Yeah, I was wondering, you know, when Data asked why, it's like, well, was Worf having an issue that it was Riker with a non-sex gender or was it Riker with a different species? You know, there was a couple of different questions that I came up with and I was like, "What? why is Worf having a hard time? I mean, especially in the 24th century where so many species are getting together that he would be so adamant that those two couldn't be together. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what did you think of that kind of poker scene, Richard? The kind of the discussion and the debate there? What was your kind of take well, from Well, okay, so I'm going to be a little crude on this and I'm not trying to be offensive to anyone uh, that's listening or to any of you two. But like, here's one. Here's one thing uh, that I would would have liked to seen that episode rewritten. I would have thought, of all people, Data would have understood than anyone else, especially when it comes to uh, sexism. Uh, it, the, and the reason why I say that is that you know, obviously, we're going uh, right now. We're going through a transformation in the military, where women are now going to combat arms and everything. So, and the, uh, the always the always the argument with uh, with the military is that. You know, women are smaller, weaker, and and, and whatnot. And you know, then you got to deal with the. Um, no offense, I, I'm just I'm being honest, <laughs> but like you also have to deal with uh, biological needs, 
And, you know, I, I guess that could be changed during the 24th century. You know, that obviously that can be stopped. But, like, you know, it, it, it brings up very valid concerns that the military is trying to, uh, you know, want they want to be equal. But the reality is, is that not every female can cut it. Um, and I'm not saying that uh, none of them can, but none, none of them, not all of them can cut it, especially within the branches of like the infantry or special forces or anything like that. Now, obviously the others that don't require as much physical strength that are combat arms, like, I don't know, a tanker or something like that. Yeah, that's fine. But like, it's, it's starting to become an issue. And I know, I, (laughs) I know that a good portion of the, my veteran friends are going to, uh, are going to kill me for that. <laughs> or I'm sorry. Uh, no, a good portion of my, uh, veteran friends are going to, uh, comment harsh on it. But I mean, I, I feel that it, I, I feel that it's, you know, um, I feel that it should be equal between, uh, between both sexes. As long as, as far as I'm concerned, as long as if they can do the job, then that's fine. That's great. But I would, I would assume that data would, automatically already know that because yes physically females are smaller yes a majority not every but a majority but then again you could say that for the males too not every male is built to do the inventory or anything like that i mean just look at me richard (laughs) what's that yeah that's (laughs) just just look at me i i have a brother in the military and you know you could look at the two of us like i am not a, a well-built guy i am i am a pencil pusher <laughs> sit in a comfy chair and i do a lot of my work from the comfort of there <laughs> i i would not have the uh the strength or ability to to be in the army i'm sure like 99 percent of most women could probably uh, <laughs> you know get into the army ahead of me that's no doubt whatsoever i'm I'm so far back. I'd be Steve Rogers sitting in the cinema watching the movie while everyone's off to war. I am incapable of of going off to fight anyone. Well, it, well I could maybe argue a parking ticket, but that, that that's about. I mean, mine. just to, just to give you, you know, when I went into the military, I was like 136 pounds, and I'm 5'11", so that's skinny. <laughs> I'm 228 now. And it's I'm a hundred pounds bigger, and you know I'm a lot stronger than I was back then. But like, it's just I. I don't know. Well, I guess I, I would figure he would be he would be more uh, Okay, let me just let me just spiel this out. I just figured that uh that data would have been more understanding based on, you know, you know, comparing apples to oranges or whatever. Um or or apples to apples when it comes to species or something like that. I I figured he would he would know more than anyone. Go ahead, Amy. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I think when you say, you know, that not all women can cut it, I think now in our 21st century that it's not necessary to put that qualifier of women. You can say not everyone can do it. I mean, I'm not cut to do it. And I know a lot of males who wouldn't be cut to do it, as we just talked about. And so there's it's not necessary to put that qualifier and when we remove that qualifier then that's what makes it more equal and we're we're transitioning to a more equal discussion when we remove those qualifiers of male and female right and i i I definitely agree with you on that one especially especially when you i mean in the office world that's different obviously yeah but like uh when it deals with like let's say something that do that has to deal with military or i'm sorry that has to deal with physical strength technology is is catching up and it's 
make it equal. I mean, men can do more and women can at least get up there to the point where they can be equals and compete at the same level. That, uh, that, that was going to be the second part of what I was going to say. <laughs> so, but no, and, and that's ultimately where it's going. Eventually, it'll get to that point where um, it will be equal. But there has to be, um, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, there are things Jennifer can do that I can, and there are things Jennifer I can't do that Jennifer can. And I, I'm okay with that. And, we, we, and that's the great partnership that we have. Um, to realize that I I'm, I fall short on something that she can do better than I can and vice versa. So, well, know. and I think this episode goes hand in hand with Angel One that it's you know that reversal that flip of you know generally speaking as was said in uh, the Outcast that you know men are stronger have the upper body strength you know in general and then that was totally flipped around on angel one and so you do see star trek looking at these typical roles and saying well what's going to happen if the women are the stronger ones or what's going to happen if there is no gender and i love that mind experiment that thought experiment of saying yeah what would a species look like that has no gender. And I, that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy uh, this episode. I think an interesting point you make, we kind of, we've had this, obviously, one of probably several discussions we're going to have during this kind of the run of this episode is that um, Soren goes at one point, you make it sound very complex when she's like, oh, when he's asked what kind of women males prefer. And I think that can go for kind of jobs in society that some like quiet, demure women, while others prefer a lot with energy. Some uh, only respond to physical attractiveness. Others couldn't care less. There are no rules. And I think that's the kind of society that we should kind of look to aim towards in terms of, you know, gender equality, that there should be no rules and disbarring and that, as you that kind of with say uh, don't ask don't tell in the military for example and kind of more equality in those kind of physical labor rules as we're talking about there um there should be no rules to what's a barrier for males and females to do in kind of the future and i think that's kind of a an interesting kind of remark that's made there in the many debates and discussions that are had within this episode i agree now i think I think another one, you know, obviously we've spoken about the snips and the snails and the puppy dog tails, as uh, Riker described it there, that I think one thing that we see, and I think this episode is, you know, for an episode that was in 1992, some of the discussion and debate points just seem so timely for 2017. And another one I want to go into before we get into the, the sexuality theme is the kind of the gender neutral androgynous view. Um that's a very interesting thing we've kind of see here in, in Star Trek that we we do see other species in the future that are kind of similar to that you could argue shapeshifters are like that the alien creatures that they escape me that you see um, the the chase mm. the chase um so you know what was your take on this genderless society and the message within that not well we'll touch on the sexuality aspect later but what did you think of a, a genderless species and did you think the message of a genderless species was portrayed positively there negatively or is it is the things that we can learn as star trek episodes often are in these cases that we can learn about our own society what were, what were some of your takeaways from this episode uh, in that respect well, I really found it interesting how Soren was saying, well, we used to have 
two genders, but then we have progressed and basically we matured and, and no offense, she says. And so this idea of, and we've seen it before in other themes from Star Trek, you know, well, we used to fight and have wars, but that's so primitive, you know? And so this idea of progression and where does that lead? I think this is another take of this Star Trek philosophy is gender, you know, not having gender. Is that the future? And it's an interesting philosophy to sort of be showcasing here at the on this episode. What do you think about that? Uh, are you talking about like, I guess they really didn't go into it really. I mean, I, I'm thinking, so I'm not a male and you're not a female and we're all considered as whatever species and we still have the parts of those male and female. Is that what is, is that how it worked? Yes. My take on it is that, um, in this show that these are people that it, it's it's hard to say because you know Riker essentially at one point describes male and female organs which I don't really think we see in probably any other Star Trek show where they essentially talk about you know the penis and the vagina in such kind of blatant terms um, and I think that's an interesting angle to take because you know they, they don't kind of sugarcoat it they, they talk about this in an interesting way and um, and I think it's quite fascinating because it's hard to say how, you know, what this aliens look like underneath their clothes. They may have those parts. They may not have those parts. Gender is, I think, you know, it's a debate we've had many a time in mental health. Is is it largely a social construct? Are you born a certain gender? Are you, you know, is it just strictly the body that's gender? Is, you know... In, can you be mentally have a female body but in your mind be a male and I think there's lots of cases to be made and there's I you know from my line of work and people I've, I've interacted with I think I've seen many an example of that I've seen you know I, I know several females well females you know inverted commas that are males inside and prefer to be identified as males I you know know people that would do not like to be um, defined by their gender they prefer to be it's something as a they it it's it's very open to interpretation and i think it's hard to truly know what this genderless species is like because you know maybe if the makeup was different we do have male and female actors underneath Mm. there and they are clearly male and female actors playing these genderless creatures so it's it's quite difficult to settle on what the origin of the species is we knew at one point they did have genders and whether they look at things on their body and say that's a male thing a female thing that's a a or a b that's a one or a zero it's hard to say so we're we're kind of in a tricky position with this episode to know where where we land yeah, well, what do you think? What do you think about her comment of that we've progressed past male and female? Well, well, that's what I was trying to. That's what I was trying to figure out. Was that so? I mean, how how are they able to reproduce now? They have both, or then what's the point of having, you know, one or the other, or some or you know, a partner or anything like that? I mean, I I, I would. That's what I was thinking. Like mentally, yes, they're not uh, male or female, but physically, they are. I think it's um, 
it becomes perhaps it's maybe more of a, a mental thing that this is a, a you know when I was on a, a, a counseling course I, I worked with an individual you know it, I worked with an individual it wasn't in a, a counseling session but it was someone you know a, a kind of fellow student and they were what you would kind of class as a female body you know breasts vagina all these sorts of things but inside they felt like they were a man and that's a very difficult thing for a lot of people and even myself and I think of myself as a very enlightened person to to truly know what that must feel like to be in that kind of gender dysphoria to be in another body as it were and I think there's we we should get more of those voices to kind of talk about these things we we can only talk from our positions as heterosexual males and females it's it's very difficult for us to perhaps articulate these things and you know with much conviction you know and it's I can only go on those experiences and for that person that was what it was that they had a female body by all definition but internally that was something different and is it not really you know should we not define ourselves by who we are as people and not by our bodies even though that's something that's very obviously there that we've got these different we have these clear one and zero bodies but internally we're so many different (laughs) definitions of what we can be within those vessels well i think the episode um and i'm gonna try not to get emotional but when soren explains the situation when she was in school and it tells the story of one of her classmates who identified as male and was bullied and beat up and then they took him away and that whole story uh, really touches me because I'm in the hmm I'm in the I'm a teacher and so I do see how mean kids can be and I think it's gotten better um, recently and I think the kids well, at least what that I deal with are more sensitive and aware um, of LGBT issues and are more accepting. And I, I look at where when I was in school to nowadays, really how much has changed, but yet still not. There's still kids who are uh, bullied and picked on just because they are different. And so when she tells this story, it really uh, connects to you because here it is, this young kid um, who it's not a choice, you know, this is who he is. And um, and then to have it be seen as, well, you're sick. So I think it, it does a good job in bringing the viewer in and to get that perspective and to sort of let people know how it is, you know, within that society. Yeah, and th- thank you so much for being so beautifully honest there, Amy, and all that sort of stuff. We, you know, to get that kind of honesty and emotion in a podcast is something special. And, you know, I'm glad that you could, you know, had the courage to share your thoughts there and, and bear yourself. That's that's, that's really awesome. Um, I mean, I, I watched a movie the, the other day. I don't know if you are familiar with it. It's called Moonlight. Hmm. 
Um, it's now here, not officially released in the UK for a few weeks, and it's been out in America for a couple of months, and I'm sure it's going to romp the Oscars. But it's a story where, and I watched this essentially as a double bill. I, I watched Moonlight, and then a day or two later, I watched that cast ahead of this episode. And the, the plot of of Moonlight was is broken into three parts. It's about this young boy who's you know finding himself just in the world and his place in it and the second part's him at school and the amount of bullying and abuse that he goes through and because he's clearly been targeted as he's this gay boy he's this homosexual and you know he's physically abused and in the third part this is a guy that's really retreated with himself and is putting up barriers and when I was kind of diving into the the research for this episode, and I w- I was kind of caught by the the reaction at the time was very muted to this episode in the nineties, um, you know it it wasn't classed as a successful gay episode or a gay coming out episode, it was kind of somewhat dismissed in that respect, and I think when you watch it now, kind of twenty years on. I think it really packs a hell of a punch and I think your your emotional reaction to that I think testifies to that that I think that people can watch this and the sad thing is this episode feels more relevant than probably in the 90s I you know look at the world today and it's not a pleasant place you know you know it it isn't it's not a pleasant place but there's some a lot of good in the world for people with kind of LGBTQ and you know I'm sure people have their own you know, numeral, uh, their alphabetical definitions for something like that. I'll, I'll stick with LGBT, but I, I know there's other people that are LGBTQ plus, and I'll, you know, I'm sure we could all do that a thousand different ways, but I'll stick with that for now um, in case anyone feels I'm ignoring them. Um, so I feel that this episode kind of sings a lot to that, that while we have made huge advances and I, I see it in, for my friends and I see it in some of the laws, gay marriage is, is, you know, exploded in terms of all over the world, you know, all over Europe and America in the past years. But some of the, the language that's being used and I think when we're listening to their response to obviously gender's the main use in this episode, but really we know what they're talking about. They're talking about gays and straights and homosexuals lesbians and the response to that is that they should be getting a type of therapy that it should be aversion therapy and they're going to be fixed that being honest that they have this problem and that they can be fixed and it's you know we have people in position of power i think the second um most important person in america right now believes in things like that this is an episode that's 20 years old plus now and the things, the horrible things that people are subjected to are relatively common views now, as maybe they still were at the time. It's, it's hard to know. I was, I was so young. But, you know, that terrifies me. I was watching this episode thinking, that person right there is the second most important person in America right now and could enact those sorts of policies. And I think that's so very, very sad that we've got this episode here and, you know, I'd love to think in the 90s if I was you know, anyone with a conscience or anyone that was in the kind of community watching this episode thinking, I hope we have the better future Star Trek cause, you know, 20 years later, is it better? Is it worse? Mm, I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, I do think it is better. And I think our youth are definitely more open-minded and, and accepting. Uh, one of the clubs that we have at our school is the Gay Straight Alliance. And I just think back of when I was in high school, that would just never, ever happen or be allowed to happen. 
And so the fact that we have uh, clubs through school that are, you know, helping gays and lesbians to come out or to feel comfortable or to protect them and to give them friendship and a place to belong, I think definitely is a sign of our progression. We have a long way to go. I'm not (laughs) in any way dismissing that, but I do see progress and we do have a long ways to go. What about yourself, Richard? What was kind of your reaction to to what was kind of discussed in that episode with that this person's essentially come out and they're saying that, oh, you need to receive therapy, you need to receive this kind of things. What was your kind of reaction to it perhaps in the past and kind of of now when you're, you rewatched it? Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm definitely not against it. That's, that's for sure. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's the second, uh, most powerful person in America is what is what it got to me. <laughs> but like, it's just, especially, especially when he, uh, when he, uh, when he prolonged the, uh, the protection for, uh, LG or whatever the acronym is. I can't remember what it is. But LGBT. Like, LGBT. Thank you. Um, within workplaces and that's continued from what Obama already already did. So I, I'm actually happy about that. Uh, but like, let's not go into that. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, I think it's wrong. I mean, uh, here, okay. So here's how I'm saying it. So yeah, it was wrong uh, in the uh, episode uh, for, I mean, obviously it's a powerful story. I agree. Uh, something that needs to be told and how harsh it could be and in the terms of like star trek uh you know changing changing your sexuality based on therapy i'm sure that's exactly how it was what 40 50 years ago or something like that or at least that's how it used to be but like you know it's more accepting just like when i was in high school i was i was in high school from 1996 until 01 and yeah 1997 or 1997 i'm sorry till 01 and yeah we actually had uh a, a club that was I can't remember what it's called, but I know it's still there. But like it's a it was a gay lesbian, and it wasn't transgender at that time because uh, I think it was a relatively new term, and I don't think anyone really uh, cared for it at that time. And this was like '97, so uh, but like it was the gay and lesbian club, and they did quite a bit. I mean, uh, I was a student council member, and uh, uh, and yeah, we worked with them quite a bit. So. Um, definitely, uh, and actually come to think of it, it was actually just starting when I was there. Uh, and it's very encouraging back then, uh, or at least it was very encouraging back then. And I'm sure it's grown to an exponential, uh, amount of people, uh, supporting it. So, uh, today, so, um, but yeah, like, uh, definitely, yeah, that sucks. You know, I um, go back to what you were saying, Lee, with, you know, you've got your physical and then your mental and when those two don't match up and is there, you know, do we need to have psychotactic therapy like they did at the Janai? Um, And I think about all the progression that's happened even now uh, when I worked at uh, my family has wig shops. And, of course, seeing all types come through uh, for different needs and uh, seeing, you know, just, well, I'm dressing up or, no, I am a female. And then getting the operations and going through the change to try and mirror what the mental 
is with the physical. And, and I find that interesting to see the progression through the years with that. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, while we may feel that society has gone forward, maybe a few steps back here and there in the past 20 odd years since this episode, you know, 25 actually, um, there are steps and advances made. And I think this kind of ties into maybe we'll kind of look towards, well, we have this episode here that kind of talks about, um, sexuality for example you know star trek discovery is going to have the first gay character well openly gay main character and while that was kind of the big thing at the time we had sulu in the last movie it was wonderfully played there we had the episode rejoined um and i think star trek i think it's for, for all the 729 episodes from there to here that they've um kind of covered the idea of sexuality has been kind of underplayed well we think of there's so many episodes where they've talked about gender roles race relations they always seem slightly behind when it came to lgbt issues and i think that's going to be something i think they're they've they're not writing a wrong essentially but there's something that they're going to be giving more attention to that we saw in star trek beyond and ahead to star trek discovery and i think that should give us all much more hope for the future if you if you're someone of that kind of um identity agreed i am looking so, forward to seeing what they do in in discovery yeah so for example while we kind of touch on it what was your reaction to i know um george Takei was somewhat not pleased with sulu for example being a kind of gay character in star trek beyond what was your reaction to that news and the representation on the screen did it go far enough was it not far enough what did you take away or were you on you know team decay not happy and it should have been a new character i've mentioned this several times on uh, other podcasts I, I can't remember who it was but um anyway uh it, it's no i, I did it on uh, trick news and views there you go uh you know me personally i didn't I, i'm with decay uh, I, I was with Takei on that whole entire issue. Yeah, he was considered straight in the original series. He didn't have to be gay. But then again, when I watched the movie, I didn't see him as gay. I saw it as two brothers. That's how I am watching over his daughter. That's how I saw it. Now, if they would have kissed uh, mouth to mouth, then that would have been a whole different story. And then I would have thought that, but they didn't. That's the, I mean, I saw it as two brothers. One happened to be married. Take it, uh, taking care of his daughter. Uh, that's how I saw it. <laughs> what about yourself amy are you team to k with richard or was it something that you thought was actually well played what, what was your interpretation when you saw that scene i thoroughly enjoyed it and i took that as you know two guys with the daughter and uh i i felt like george takei sort of overreacted a little bit because he personally has come out and is very open about his situation and promotes it. And so I think when they are paying homage to it, I was really surprised that George Takei didn't like it. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what you're paying homage to this fabulous actor. And I get what George Takei is saying because he's like, well, I didn't play that character gay. I get that. But you've got 50 years 
of the two being meld together. I mean, William Shatner has tried to get away from Kirk, and he can't, right? The, mm-hmm. the two are intermelded. And it goes with all of the characters. And so I saw it as we're showing respect for who uh, Sulu is, and we're showing respect for who George is. And so that's that's yeah. how I took it. I loved it on two levels. Um, when the news was announced, I was so happy, so happy. I thought that was a brilliant idea. And the fact that, you know, we didn't look at Sulu as, no, oh, this guy's gay. But it makes a point that, what, should we always assume people are playing a heterosexual character? We saw nothing in these Kelvin timeline movies to say that he was straight gay whatever he he might have been asexual who knows and i think the fact that they went this is what it is and i remember sitting in the cinema and i knew there was going to be a moment and i was like i was waiting for that moment to happen and it was like when kirk obviously sees them and they you know there's a little kiss arm around the shoulder and they walk away and i was like please don't have kirk look back and go huh what was that about? Or like be surprised by it. He just looks, he smiles and they carry on. And I think we did a, a, a conversation myself and um, Matt Hansen on Star Trek Beyond and, and he himself is a, a homosexual. And we, we spoke about that moment and we were like, that's exactly what it should be. It's just representation. It's nothing that smashes you over the head or anything like that. It's just a moment where it goes, this person's gay. Okay carry on and i think that was a really nice touch and i think the way they decided to go with it they didn't make it a big deal and that's what it should be like that it's not a big deal when someone sees a hoover on the bridge and goes wait there's a black person there on the bridge like no one in the crew ever makes reference to that you know no one ever makes reference to a lot of the you know no one ever goes you're a female captain what's that about it's that's what equality is it's not anything less or anything more well one thing i had a problem with it It, not 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 the gay part (laughs) but like uh if they uh, to be quite honest i didn't care for the news i mean it would i would have been i would have been happier if it was brought on to me as a surprise versus anything else and then i could draw my own conclusions or whatever but like one of the things that really bothered me about that whole uh, about the whole entire scene is that why wasn't there a picture of him and her with the daughter if that was his family is it not just a picture of her? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Why, if if that's his but, husband, hmm. then why why didn't they have a scene, or they, why didn't they why didn't he have a picture of his husband and his wife at the same time? Because that's what I would do with my own family. But, but I suppose everyone has their own wait, different ways of of showing their love for but their the reason, kids. No, no, that, no, no, no. That's I, not the reason. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm saying it's like I feel, and this is the second part of what I'm going to say. I feel like it was forced. That's how I'm seeing it, and that scene was added on later down the road. That there was no intention of uh, of it being gay; it was forced. That's how I'm seeing it. But Simon Pegg seemed to indicate that it was kind of part all along when they were writing the thing that the only thing that was kind of forced essentially was who they had to cast for the husband role. That um, obviously they were shooting in Dubai, which is quite a religious. No, no, no. I mean, like they had country. no intention of making him gay. Is what I'm is what I'm trying to say, because. Like I said, you know, but they maybe never had any intention of making him a straight character. Well, either. but that, but they wanted to add the daughter the in there, that... and, or so, they wanted to do something like that, or at least show that there was there was hardship for people who had families on there. And that's why I'm saying that if they were really wanted, to, they should have gone back, redone the whole entire episode, or I'm sorry, redone that whole entire scene when they showed the fi- the picture of 
uh, I, I'm assuming it's the same name as uh, as she is on Star Trek Generations. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like showing a picture of her and also the husband at the same time. And I don't know. Me, when I was... I just think it's a very subtle thing just to have the picture of the kid. I know someone, for example, that has a desk, you know, in an, their employment that is gay, but the picture on their desk is of the kids well, only. And, you know, I think everyone's just got different choice. I don't necessarily think it's something that is kind of a... Trying to say, oh, this is an actual. Let me, let me. Okay, so (laughs) I don't want to get into this too much, but like, I'm, I'm going into the mindset of what I would do. Okay, yes, okay. In my mindset, the Enterprise is a military starship. Period. Um, so what I'm thinking is like, whenever I, whenever I saw anyone, uh, in, um, when we were deployed in Iraq, we always had a picture of everyone. Everyone had a picture of everyone, like a family photo. You, the mom children or whatever um yeah actually at that time yeah don't ask don't tell was was still was still in effect actually so yeah it would be dad mom and then the children and that's 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 the whole reason why i'm like if you if you want me to feel that it's a gay moment or i'm sorry if you want me to feel that he is gay i want to see a picture of him and her as a family you're not going to separate the two i mean who's i mean how 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 much of a a whole move that is to not put your uh, <laughs> your husband on the same picture as your child. I mean, I don't know. that's how I'm seeing it. It's it's a deployment. They're out. He wants to see both of them at the same time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's on the bridge of the Enterprise or anywhere else. I have a picture of my of my entire family in my helmet, and I look at it every night before and thank God that I'm still alive. That's that's how I saw it. <laughs> but ultimately, it's just his like little space and stuff maybe deep down in it he does have like an office you know his own personal space could be the fact that there's plenty of pictures of all of them down there i just think it's it's once again it's just something very subtle and it doesn't need to be banged on the head and i think perhaps you know well it would have been a nicer moment to experience it in the cinema without the news i think for many star trek is forever essentially and while we had the the knowledge going in i think for future viewers it might just be something that's like oh oh, that's interesting and move on and i think that's the way they played it completely underhand was was excellent well and i appreciate the subtlety because the more subtle the more natural it is and so you don't have to have those qualifiers like i was saying before that you know yeah here's this family oh it's two men well no that's not even the point the point is that they here's this family and so the more subtle it is the more natural and the more accepted and the more we see that progression of where we are as a society and i loved it i loved that it wasn't yeah bang bang oh sulu's gay well no that is not the point the point is is that he's been gone and he misses his family and so to take away all of those qualifiers of, oh, it's his husband, oh, they're gay, um, really makes for a wonderful, wonderful scene, in my opinion. And I sort of, again, going back to George Takei, he was upset that they did it, and then he was upset that it wasn't a big enough part of the movie. You, well, you can't have it both ways. If you made it bigger, in my opinion, then it would have been, oh, this it's making a statement where the subtlety is what made the statement that it's just normal and accepted and it's not a big deal. And I think that's 
the message of that scene. And so I yeah. sort of think that George Takei was wanting his cake and eating it too. And well, you, you, I didn't agree with that. I think you're spot on there because the Simon Pegg and Doug Young, Doug Young, who is the co-writer of Star Trek Beyond, was the one that actually ended up playing Sulu's husband because they couldn't find someone that was willing to do do the role in a, a religiously conservative country. They thought it might pose some issues for them. And they said, well, we could make a new character, but it would be like, hey, check this gay character that was now serving on the Enterprise. And they liked the idea that it, was, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. It could be anyone on the Enterprise. And we have not seen Sulu in any form of relationship we you know we don't even know who the relationship that he had with someone in the original series was to have his daughter it could have been gay along we we don't know and the fact that we don't know means it is completely open to interpretation so i think like the fact that they've made a character that's in the star trek series already as someone that's gay is, is really good and maybe it's a shame that it took 50 years but we're getting there as a society and hopefully in star trek too so talking about characters, I was wondering, uh, in The Outcast, they have the main character being Riker. This is a Riker episode. And unfortunately, typical to Next Generation, it's very episodic, as we know. And so Riker doesn't ever really deal with this issue again. And we go on this emotional journey with Riker and where he falls in love and that that scene at the end where he's trying to save her and he's like, I love you. And it's like, Oh my gosh, you love her. And it just took me by so surprised that it was a so fast and B that if he really did, did love her, why don't we see evidence of that relationship ever again? It's just so episodic. And I think that was one of the flaws that they used a main character where we have to see Riker every single week. Uh, Maybe I was reading and someone was mentioning, well, if they did a non-main character instead of Riker, and the one was uh, they recommended Reg Barkley, that, you know, maybe he could have taken that place as Riker. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I also read that um, remark. I think it was on the Trekcore website. Yes. Maybe that was something we can we link up when we post this episode on on lovely Valentine's Day. Um, it, firstly, your comment made me think of um, I, it is the frustration of episodic TV of of the early nineties. Your your spot on there. Um, it reminds me of a peep show quote that is like, "Sometimes I tell them early on on a first date that I love them just to get things off to a good start." <laughs> that with that kind of episodic TV, you need to go from one to five miles an hour just straight away um so yeah i think yeah that you know i think i kind of buy into it a little more because it's a very you know they really are forced together and it is a very heightened emotional episode so i believe the heart's in the right place there and it doesn't feel it well it's not a natural thing i can i'm caught up in the emotion of things and when i'm caught up in the emotion of things i'm willing to let flaws go if i'm watching an episode and i'm bored um you know and it happens many a time in a star trek episode where i'm like god this episode's boring that comment's stupid that thing's silly i can watch an episode like threshold if i'm enjoying it i'm willing to forgive any flaw because it's doing the hardest thing first so the fact that i'm caught up in it spot on if it was reg barkley that would have been an interesting choice too so um yeah i um, I, I enjoyed it and i think the fact that they took the um 
probably the most macho character in Star Trek after um, Kirk and putting him in a situation where he's in a gender neutral relationship is really well played and stuff like that and it certainly makes a statement that love touches everyone I think Richard? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that uh, beyond thing uh, struck a nerve with me. Not not you guys. It's just, yeah, in general. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, when 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 he said that, he, uh, when Riker said he loved her, and uh, and then it just cut the scene. Nothing. Nothing after that. It's it just, oh, I had a very colorful um, argument with myself <laughs> after that. But like, it's like, cause like, it was, it was like, come on, why did you have to do that? It's, it, you know, you don't even, I mean, we, we know how she feels about him, but it's like, you know, get, let's, let's get into it, you know, sort of thing. And uh, maybe they cut it out. Maybe they did do it. I don't know. Uh, and they just cut it out because of time constraints. I have no idea, but that was an inappropriate time, or at least I thought so, because obviously it affected him uh, when he got back to the Enterprise. And it was it was heart wrenching to him, uh, clearly based on his facial expression and everything. And it, you know, I out of anything, out of everything in that uh, episode, I really think they should have revisited that last part, or at least you know, uploaded a delayed scene of whatever it was or something like that. If they did do it, but like, I mean. Yeah, that was the only thing I hated about this episode was the ending. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, because you see, you start the episode and it's sort of coming from Soren's point of view and she's the one making the advances and the flirting and the mm-hmm. asking questions. And so we're we're in it with Soren. And then by the end where Riker decides to go down and try and rescue her from the psychotactic therapy and, and then we're just... it instantly switches to now oh my gosh we are involved with Riker and then the rest of the five minutes is we are just engaged with Riker and and how is it going to affect him and he loves her and he he can't end up with her and he has to go back to the ship and and so you're and I rightfully so because he is you know a main character and so we have to end it with his story and not Soren's story. So yeah. I, I definitely, I see that progression through the episode. Um, and yeah, there was one official thing that I can definitely find that was deleted from this episode was um, that when um, Riker's being told that the Janai are by all accounts an enlightened race, Riker remarks, then uh, how is it that Soren has no choice about her sexual orientation? So yeah, like that's certainly on the nose um, and certainly makes the point. So, um, yeah, it was uh, an interesting remark that hit the floor. And I, of course, have to mention the wonderful scene between Riker and Troy. I That just warmed my heart when he comes to her and knocking on the door and he's explaining to her, you know, that he has feelings for Soren and Troy is just so happy. And you can see that their relationship uh, is true and that she wants him to be happy. And I just love the comment where, you know, she tells him, you will always be a part of my life and I will always be a part of your life. And, uh, it's, so wonderful to have a relationship like that uh, in your life. I have someone like that who 
go our separate ways, we just will still always be in each other's life. And I really appreciated that to see their story a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a good moment as well because it's a very human moment that sometimes can get lost in the sterile nature of the next generation. That it's two people that are of the opposite sex, and you know we'll still be okay. That you know we've all got that friend that even when we're kind of you know an ex or anything like that that we can turn to when we've got problems, and it humanizes the next generation characters. And a lot of the time, sometimes they don't come across as too human sometimes. And I think that's a very human, real, relatable moment. And I think it's a lovely touch for sure. Definitely great acting from Freight and Sirtis in that scene. Yeah, I wish I could say the same thing. <laughs> oh, you don't like it? No, 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 no. I mean, like, oh, no, no, my... I liked it, but I'm saying, like, someone that's, yeah. <laughs> You've got us, <Yeah>. Richard. <laughs> they all hate my guts. <laughs> <laughs> so has anyone got any other final points they'd like to make before we, we wrap up? No. Well, I was very interested in the Janai and their their culture and their species as a whole, but found it very odd that the entire species, and here is this planet, I'm assuming, this Janai people, and they are so homogeneous. They all look the same. They all talk the same. There is no gender. There isn't seem to be any difference between the people. There's no individuality which I found very disconcerting and it, it didn't make sense to me. I know the episode is about, you know, not having gender, but that doesn't mean that you don't have your own personality and your own identity. And so I found that a little off-putting because when you think about even any type of group of people, they can have the same thoughts, they want the same vision, the same purpose, there's still going to be differences among them. And so for Star Trek to portray an entire race, an entire planet that's so homogeneous, uh, that's that's a little odd to me. Yeah, for me, my, my final thoughts, and, and, and I'll kind of leave it really to Soren, I think the, the statement she makes at the end is, is truly beautiful. And I think in... In these remarks, I think you could apply that to all the equality and diversity that Star Trek has always strived to do from race and, you know, sexuality. And I think this sums up so well. Um, you know, I've, I, that it's, it's not unnatural. I'm not sick because I feel this way. I do not need to be helped. I do not need to be cured. What I need and what all of those who are like me need is your understanding and your compassion. We have not injured you in any way, and yet we are scorned and attacked, and all because we are different. What we do is no different from what you do. We talk and laugh, we complain about work and we wonder about growing old. We talk about our families and we worry about the future and we cry with each other when things seem hopeless. All of the loving things that we do with each other, that is what we do. And for that, we are called misfits and deviants and criminals. What right do you have to punish us? What right do you have to change us? What makes you think you can dictate how people love each other? And I think that's no truer, pure Star Trek words than that. I think that is Star Trek's ethos through and through. And I think it's something that's totally relevant in this society that we have these days where it seems like the world's maybe on fire and there's divisions between sexual identity, gender, race, religion. Maybe we should just learn from each other and have a person-centered approach and look at people and think, look out for each other, care for each other. And I can't think of a more important Star Trek message than that. It shouldn't be just 
classed as perhaps something to be said about sexuality i think that point they make there is so universal and i think the world would be a better place if we heeded her message and treated people like that as if we all share the same issues and worries and sometimes what divides us really is quite superficial agreed very well put very well put thank you lee uh, well very well put soren and jerry taylor so amy um we've got a bit of a kind of competition on the go at the moment just now what is that well, Lee, that is our iTunes review and rating, and we are looking for uh, some iTunes reviews, and we would like to, for the month of February, and we have a contest going, and so if you would like to do that, we have generously donated from Ju Kim a Blu-ray complete seven-season discs of the next generation this is so amazing i can vouch for the awesomeness of the gift and we would love to have you give us some itunes reviews for the month of february please excellent well make sure to submit those reviews and get involved in that raffle it's a hell of a blu-ray box set so fingers crossed you can uh, you know get those reviews in and we look forward to uh, picking out at random one of you guys to win it you know i'm sure there's um, plenty of opportunities to to submit between now and the middle of February so get those reviews in and we'll let you, we'll draw a winner then talking about the outcast on Valentine's Day isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this week here's what's been happening on all our other shows previously on trek.fm to the journey the origin of the vault was that the lizard babies went back in time <laughs> and then they evolved into yes. the vault. yes so Cap- Captain Janeway is the ancestor of their entire race. Yeah. Is that what you're Tom saying? Tom and Janeway are the ancestors of the entire boss race. Literary tricks. It never stops. You, you never really have a moment to say like, yay, good job. It's like literally, okay, on to the next thing. You're probably already late on the next three things that you're supposed to be doing. Melodic tricks. You know, when you're used to recording either at Abbey Road or Sony Studios in Hollywood, uh, it's you know, it's hard to, to go to another room that doesn't have that same kind of sound, you know. Um, and also the depth of players is not, just, you know, it's just not as deep as it is here in, in London, for instance, you know. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPod, iPad, Kindle, Android, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Thank you, Audible, for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. If you are a weekly listener and would like to directly help Earl Grey, please consider becoming a patron of Trek FM. At patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose a pledge level and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. For example, $5 a month gets you into our patron zone where you get exclusive content, which we like to record every week, and access to our early releases of all of the shows on the network. At $15 a month, you get to participate in our monthly roundtable discussions with other patrons of the networks. And our $25 a month will get you associate producer credits for any podcast that you choose. We would like to take this moment to thank our current Patreon associate producer, Michael Huter. Thank you for supporting Earl Grey.
Another way to help out our network and get cool stuff is to visit Redbubble. At redbubble.com slash shop slash trekfm, you can find amazing designs for shirts, pillows, phone cases, and more. And with each purchase, a portion of the sales goes to Trek FM. You can listen to every show on the network at trek.fm for links for iTunes, streaming services, and a direct download link. To connect with other Trek F listeners on our Facebook discussion group, call... Oh, darn it. Okay. You can connect with other Trek F listeners on our Facebook discussion group called the Babel Conference, found through the search field B-A-B-E-L, or you can like the facebook.com slash trekfm page for show updates and announcement. The network is also on Twitter at trekfm. If you would like to contact Lee, Richard, or me, Amy, visit trek.fm slash contact to send us a subspace message or find us on social media. So Richard, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on the Babel Conference, and I am also on Twitter at xransom. Lee, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me here on Trek FM, and you can on the Babel Conference. Also, you can find me on the Filibuster Podcast, where I talk nerd and geek culture with former All Grey hosts and my fellow co-hosts on other topics. So we've discussed Star Trek Beyond. And everything in between. Um, we've also discussed LGBT issues on numerous episodes also, so check that out. You can find me on the Glasgow's Green podcast, and you can find me on at Star Trek VHS on Twitter, where I share artwork from Star Trek's forgotten video past, and you can find me at Lee underscore Nostromo shouting about football. What about yourself, Amy? Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. Uh, but my favorite place is to hang out at the Babel Conference on Facebook. So go ahead and you can all wish us a happy Valentine's Day. So join us next time for another cup of Earl Grey. Great joy and gratitude. Sir, I'm not a merry man. There's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with the universe. Mm-hmm.